This is 680 CJOB. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. Krista Hall here. Krista, how are you? I'm doing well. Kevin, how are you? Good. We're on the road. I love the road. I know. We are at Patent 5 Distillery with Brock Coots. Brock Coots. How did you open this place? Um, the inspiration, you mean? Or yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Like, let's start from before it opened. Like, obviously, there's a ton of work to open. Yep. And I want to know from the beginning... How did you, yeah, yeah, how did you even think to do this? I used to, back in the days before there was craft beer, grind barley, pour it into a Coleman cooler, add 155 degree water and and make our own beer. But that was like 25 years ago. And then about 15 years ago, I was in Boston and I always would seek out craft brewers. And the one craft brewer I went to see asked me if I had been next door to the craft distillery. And I didn't know craft distilling was a thing. I just assumed all distilleries were massive industrial facilities. Mm -hmm. And I walked in, I was blown away. I just thought this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I just sort of filed it away. At the time, legislatively, I don't even know if you could have done it in Manitoba, but they made a number of changes over the last seven or eight years so that it became feasible. So about six or probably about six years ago, I started to put a business plan together. Mm -hmm. And it just evolved from there. Probably three or four or maybe even five years ago said, let's do it. And then started looking for space. And we wanted a space that was a nice old building that represented our brand. And that took a really long time to find, almost three years. Found this place. And then it took two years from sort of agreeing with the landlord that we were going to put it in here till actually getting it going. Why was this place the place? Um, there are, we wanted to be in the exchange. That was ideal. And there's very few places that would have met what you need in a distillery, right? You can't have, uh, people living upstairs. You have to have 15 foot ceilings. It had to be properly zoned. It, it, there was just so many requirements that we had just about given up and said, we're going to find a strip mall somewhere and get going. And then driving down Alexander one day, there was a four lease sign. And I just thought, oh, wow, I wonder. Because the building is, I'll, if you want, I'll tell you about the building later, but it's, it's an awesome building. And when we walked in, we thought, yeah, I think this is probably doable. And then, you know, spent a lot of time talking to the city about how to make it happen. And eventually, here we are. Because you're the second distillery in the city. Yes. Yeah. Was it easier for the city to actually, like, as far as, like, zoning and rules go, was it a bit easier that way or was it still the same? I would say it was, I, I don't know how difficult it was for the other guys, Mm -hmm. but it was incredibly different because we're downtown. So there's a whole different set of bylaws. Hmm. So whatever worked outside of downtown was not going to work downtown. So it, for sure, we felt like we were starting from scratch with everything. Was there ever a point where you thought, well, this is a bit too much trouble or you're like, I'm I'm doing this regardless. At least, at least 15 times. I thought it was, (laughs) this is not, it's not worth it, but you go home and you say, but you know what? But it is right. because we've looked forever for this building or for a space like this. So let's push on. But there was like over the course of a year, there was there was probably one uh, decision point a month that was go or no go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seemed like it was no go. And we just decided, well, let's figure out a way to make it happen. But I don't know if you've ever worked with the city, but there it's sort of um, binary. It's either a yes or a no. And if it's a no, it's your responsibility to go back and figure out how to make it a yes. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Which means, you know, you have to contract with your engineers and your architects or whatever to make it happen. So, yeah, it's, it was lots of work. How do you keep everybody else on board? Like, how, how many people are involved in this project? In this uh, 
um, partners. Yep. Uh, two, my wife, my father, and two other partners. Oh, so everybody's missing. So, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, there's not like I'm pretty influential, right? I mean, if I can convince my dad and my wife, then yeah. the other partners would say, "Okay, That's easy. I, yeah, yeah." <laughs> Um, let's talk about the name, the history yeah. of the name. How did how did yeah. that come about? You know, uh, that was difficult too. We wanted something that was Manitoban, so we had sort of more or less settled on Blue Stem. And then a friend of mine, Blue Stem is the provincial grass, right? Oh, it was okay. it yeah. was you know the predominant grass when Manitoba was sort of first settled or whatever. And um, and then somebody did a bunch of googling and found out well there's blue stem dog food there's there was a bunch of other blue stems so it wasn't as unique as we thought right and I spent probably two or three hours a night online just looking at stuff what's going on in whiskey Manitoba history and I googled patents for some reason and the fifth patent ever issued in the Dominion of Canada in 1869 was for a column still and so I was telling someone, at, yeah, I know I was telling someone at the time, I was a Scotsman who had come over from Scotland and he had seen the technology. It's called a coffee still, right? But it was brand new and it hadn't been in Canada. And the name just rung a bell. Someone said that that's your name, right? And so we actually found a handwritten microfiche copy of the patent. It's just two pages of handwritten. That's awesome. And so we actually had our, st- one, our shorter column still made of glass so that you can actually see what a column still does during the distillation cool. process. And it fit, right? The patent is old. We wanted to be a sort of a historical brand. And so it just, it fit. It just seemed right sort of the Love next it. day. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really good. I can't wait to see the still now. I mean, as opposed to drinking your martini. Well, no. I could get off this bench and go and look at a few things, I think. Not after this. Okay, so you, you get the building that you want. Yeah. How much work was it? to actually bring it to bring it to life like who designed it and how much work was it um it was an unbelievable amount of work uh it you know i suppose you look at it and you say yeah it it doesn't seem like it but air turns and fire suppression and where the equipment goes and everything else is very difficult and but it wasn't two rooms like right now you have the storefront yeah yeah. But was it two rooms it, There like actually this? was a wall there. Okay. But this, the landlord really used this space as warehouse space to store bits and pieces from other buildings he owns. So there was windows and a sink and a whatever. Um, it's like my garage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to go clean out a second garage. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the, um, uh, yeah, so this was, this, we tore it. Like it was torn down. The, the one wall that separated the two rooms existed, but it wasn't in good enough shape and it didn't fit. So we tore it out and really started from scratch. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So all this glass, this stained glass, the bar, like it just looks like, like a, it's a, always been here. We get that a lot, which is a testament to the designer and the mill worker. Right. Like they were amazing. And you have to ask me too about the history of some of the wood and the chandeliers and the stained glass in here too. Okay, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with Brock Coots at Patent 5 Distillery, and we're going to talk about how you make an old building new but look old. That's right. pretty much it, right? Yeah. All right, here on the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the main ingredient. I'm Kevin Bergen. I'm Krista Hall. We're at Patent 5 Distillery. Yep. You're drinking a martini? It's so good. You didn't say anything last time just because you're probably drinking that martini, we'll, right? We'll get into the martinis. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll talk about <laughs> the martinis. <laughs> Don't worry about it. (laughs) Brock Coots, the owners who we're talking with, and we were before the break, we were talking about the renovation of this building. Yeah. 
and who designed it and how much work it was. So maybe yeah. we can talk more about that. Sure. Um, the designer was Shelley Slobodian from ESP Design, mm-hmm. and the mill worker was Vic Jansen. And we had, so all, of, let me back up one step. In July 2017, there was an article in the Free Press, and they quoted Cindy Tugwell, Executive Director of Heritage Winnipeg, and she's lamenting the fact that they're going to tear the St. Regis Hotel down, and all of the artifact, historical artifacts in the Oak Room are going to end up in the landfill. Nice. So I called her the next day and said, you know, Cindy, we're negotiating about putting a distillery in the, in the exchange district. Might it work? And she said, nope, someone's taken it all. It's okay. But I called her every week for seven weeks. And because the Stalked first, her the the first <laughs> pestered her to no end. And then one Friday she said, well, you can get in. So we went in with her. It had flooded uh, there had been no ventilation, uh, no elect- like nothing. So it was literally full respirators and headlamps looking around. And it was like, wow, this is, this is just full of treasures. Wow. And I think by Monday, she had us the key and said, you have one week to retrieve whatever you can. Oh, get out. Yeah. And so all of the wood paneling, the oak header above the window, the corbels, all the stained glass is original from 1911. Wow. So it was, we actually found a piece of oak paneling that had the name of the manufacturer in Chicago. So it was made in Chicago in 1911, shipped up to Winnipeg, and the whole thing was assembled in the oak room. Wow. And we were able to retrieve a lot of it almost intact. Like, I think I need to close those stained, door, stained glass doors so you guys can see the nine and a half stained glass doors. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. So then your designer... Took all that and worked with that. Yeah, and the mill worker took all the pieces home and just made sure that it blended as best it could, right? Because some of the pieces had faded a lot from sun and some hadn't. So they put it all together. Like you said, like it looked like it always was always yeah. here. So yeah, they did a, such an amazing job. I can't That's believe great. your seven weeks of work paid off. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I would never have guessed that, some, that that would have been the end result of you contacting her after she pretty much gave you the Heisman, the stiff arm to get lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, it it sometimes the delays that we incurred ended up being a good thing mm-hmm. because we didn't have a tasting room like this in our original business plan. Because, oh, is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, a tasting room. What the way envi- we envisioned it would be: you come in, you have a couple samples, you sample the vodka, the gin, the whiskey, you decide if you want to buy a bottle or whatever, and off you go. But then the laws changed a little bit. Right. We got mm-hmm. found access to all these historical a- artifacts, and then we just this room morphed into what it is today. How, how many, what, what does it seat? What, how many I people think can you our fit capacity in? is 30. Um, and that's mostly a city restriction because right. we're a distillery in the back. So, right. yeah. And then you've got these beautiful, this beautiful garage style door that we're sitting in front of that can be opened. Yes. And you feel like you're it, you right outside. feel like you're in another city. Yeah, when wow. that garage door is open in summer, it's awesome. And we're hoping that we'll be able to uh, work with the city to get a patio next year. Right. So that we could open the door and have a patio. But it's still a, definitely a work in process, the whole thing. It'd be a great look if that happens. Yeah, it would. Right. It would be awesome. So how long has the... You've been distilling since when? Uh, December of last year. And the storefront has been open since... First week in April. We opened okay. it. Yeah, so it took us four or five months to make sure that the products we were making were good enough to serve in the tasting room. And you can buy on, like you can, you, you sell your product here. You're not just tasting, right? You, right. People can come and buy bottles here, but yep. then you're also in the liquor stores. We are. Yeah. Our vodka and gin are in the liquor stores. We have vodka, gin, barrel aged gin and purple blossom gin that we sell in the, at the distillery here. 
and then we serve cocktails. Like it's, we have a, you, I don't know if you saw the cocktail menu, but it's full menu. We are required to make sure that our spirit is sort of the primary ingredient of any of those cocktails. That's and, not a bad thing. No, you know I mean? abs- like right? yeah, and yeah. You want to focus on your 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 business anyway. Right. Yeah. You're, so you're not selling beers from around the corner. We're not. No. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> they can go We're, around the corner. Yeah. Or they can come here. And it's perfect. Yeah. Actually, they're a great neighbor, and when they're full or we're full, traffic goes back and forth. So it's. Uh, you mentioned it early, Kevin, that, that the exchange district is starting to grow up yep. and it's fantastic that there's lots of things for people to do now when they come to the exchange. I just interviewed somebody last week that knew you. Oh. B-Boys. Yeah. Yes. They yeah. Con. Yes. Yeah. We're yes. looking forward to doing some cool collaborations with him. Yeah. Mm. I thought yeah. it was really cool how everybody kind of. So you're going to start making drinks with honey. Yes. And we're going to hopefully, I, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but take some of his mead and distill it. And maybe make a honey whiskey or, yeah, there's, oh, there's, okay. if we get an industry, so we know Con because he's part of the industry, we continue to lobby the government to say, could you make some changes? Because Winnipeg should have at least half a dozen distilleries. For sure. And we don't. Right. And there's now a meadery, there's a cidery in Morden, there's a winery. So, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. We're a hundred miles behind the Western provinces, but we're going to get there. Right, the progress, even the small progress, yes. is very encouraging. It is, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. How did you decide what you were going to make? Uh, well, we definitely wanted to make gin, mm-hmm. and our gin is made with our vodka. So that means you better figure out how to make good vodka first, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you can figure out how to make good gin. Mm-hmm. Vodka and gin don't require any aging. So that's why most craft distilleries do clear spirits. Oh, because you can start with that right Because you can start with that. So we always had a goal to be known for our whiskey, Mm -hmm. uh, and we will be, Mm -hmm. but that whiskey is sitting in barrels today. How long does it take? I don't know. (laughs) 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 To be be called a Canadian whiskey, a Canadian rye whiskey, or a rye whiskey, it has to age three years in a barrel. But you can call it something else. And, I mean, there's white whiskeys that aren't aged three years. So I hope that the way we did our cuts, if we ever talk about distilling, I'll talk to you about cuts, but we cut it narrow enough that it's really just the hearts in there. So we're hoping that in a year we're going to have a, something that's going to go very nicely with um, maybe even just ice. That's before. a tough gig. Like, that's a tough balance. How do you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you have a business yeah. that you can't sell the product until it actually ages properly, which right. takes time. Yes. Right? Yeah. When I showed people the business plan for whiskey, the term they used was you need patient capital. No doubt. Yeah. Because the barrels are expensive. I mean, you have to run a business. If you just were going to do whiskey, you'd have to do everything you do, spend all your money, buy all your barrels, and not see any return for at least three years. So the three years it took you to find this building would be the three years of that stuff would have had to be aging. Right. Yeah. So someone said the best time to do whiskey is 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. (laughs) So... Right. So we're making whiskey. Wow. Okay. Did you know a lot about making whiskey and distilling before you uh, got into this business? Uh, I took a few distilling classes. Mm-hmm. The principles, my actually my undergraduate degree is chemistry and microbiology. Mm-hmm. So the principles make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then you have to learn your equipment, learn the yeast you're using. And, and then apply your own flair to it. And right. Exactly. Make a vodka that represents. For us, we wanted a vodka that represented Manitoba a gin that represented Manitoba in the same way with whiskey. So that, I mean, there's no reason why Manitoba's spirits shouldn't be known on the world stage, right? Sure. Yeah. The right. best wheat, the best water. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's it. 
That's vodka right there. Well, and yeah. I mean, there is some whiskey from Manitoba that is known on the world. Yes, yes. you're right. There so. is. <laughs> well, that, I've, well, heard, that. I've heard of them. I'm not sure where they are, but yeah. Okay, we're going to take a, um, another break, and we're going to talk about your specific products that sure. you offer right after we come back. Is Excellent. That okay? Yeah, sounds great. All right, we're at Patton 5 Distillery. Where are we? What is the address? 108 Alexander. 108 I like Alexander. that. Where are we? I'm, I'm drinking your booze, but I don't even know where I am. How did I get here? Patent 5 at 108 Alexander, um, and we are at 680 CGOB. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Main Ingredient. I'm Krista Hall. I'm Kevin Bergen. Here we are at Patent 5 Distillery at 108 Alexander. We're sitting here with Brock Coots, and we're about to start talking about the distilling process. Sure. So let me start with uh, our vodka. So our vodka is 90% wheat. All of that wheat is grown and milled in Manitoba and 10% barley, the malted barley, mill, uh, malted in Manitoba, but the, mil- the malter doesn't guarantee that it's a Manitoba product. It's likely a mix of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Anyway, but our focus is to be as Manitoban as possible, right? Was that, was that part of the reason you chose this business? Because you knew that you could do it yes. mainly in Manitoba? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've got all, like, we're very rich in, in resources called, you know, our malted barley goes to Scotland. We ha- we're known for wheat and corn, so we should be able to make fantastic spirits, right? So we're going And to. is that always the ratio? That- no, it's whatever you want, actually. Okay. Um, there are people that make vodka from corn. Lots of, lots mm. of vodkas are made from corn. There's some potatoes, but pe- people often think that potato is the base of most vodkas. That's not true. That's the peasants actually drank vodka in the late 1700s. The aristocrats had uh, wheat or rye-based vodkas. Oh, yeah. He doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> no, I just learned something because I actually <laughs> thought it was always potato-based. Most people do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you can make good potato vodka. It's, you know, Manitoba's not necessarily known for potatoes. I'm sure maybe PEI has potato vodka. I don't know. But uh, so we make ours from wheat. And... Uh, so our goal was to have a vodka that had a little bit of flavor and a little bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. So if, when, I should say, you taste our vodka, you'll notice that it's a little different. So we filter ours a little differently to preserve some of the flavor and some of the body. So we experimented with how much barley body adds, or barley adds a bit of, of body to it. But wheat definitely has a bit of sweetness. So even the two yeasts that we use to make our vodka... One of them kicks off really early. It's almost like a baking yeast. And the first day that we're after we've uh, mashed is fermenting. And the fermentation, if you walked in here, you'd think that we were baking bread. Is that right? So, yeah, it's got a nice, sweet uh, aroma. And a little bit of that sweetness stays in the flavor uh, after the vodka has been bottled. So how, how long does the whole process take? Uh, it takes a day to mash, which is really just cooking it. So what you're mm-hmm. trying to do is it, uh, turn the, the, make, make all the starch available and turn it into sugar. Okay. And then you put it in a fermenter, and the yeast eat the sugar for five days, produce carbon dioxide and alcohol. And then you've got basically a porridge that's about 9 or 10% alcohol. Then you put it back in the still, and it's, it's a stripping still, and you just want to separate the grain from the alcohol. And I'm just going to interject quickly about the sustainability. So we try not to dump anything down the drain except uh, cleaning products. So we recycle water. We've got a 1,000-gallon cooling tank that cools our equipment. And all of our spent grain go to farmers. So goat farmers, pig farmers, sheep farmers, and we have one cow farmer that take it and they love it. Everything we use is food grade. So we've got animals being fed food grade 
feed, which is kind of rare. But anyway, it ferments for five days, then you strip. A stripping run takes one day, and then you have what's called low wines. It's about 45%, and we've got about 70 gallons, and then you put it in the spirit still, or the finishing still. And that's where you do the finishing and actually turn it into vodka. Separate all the components that you don't want, keep the components that you do want. So seven to 10 days? Yeah, seven to 10 days you could have vodka that would be ready to bottle. Wow, it's pretty fast. It is, sort of, except you only get about 250 bottles out of that. Right. (laughs) So it's because we're a, a craft distiller, we do everything in batch. Some of the big guys do continuous, so their stills run 24 hours a day. Oh, so they're always making. Yeah, so it's a very different setup than, than what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you get 250 bottles at the end of seven days and uh, repeat, repeat, and then, repeat. So that's the vodka, and yes. then you use the vodka As for the, the base gin. for our gin, right. yeah. So another differentiator is that all of the sweetness and smoothness of the vodka becomes the base for the gin. Okay. And we use 13 botanicals to make our gin. Some of them are vapor infused, like they actually don't boil in the pot. They actually sit in a basket, so only the vapor passes through them. Some of them actually cook in the pot or infused in the pot. And that you take your vodka, add your botanicals, and make gin. And that's about a day. And then you have, let's call it raw gin. And then you have to add water to it over a period of five days. So it's quite a process. Mm -hmm. And then you have to let it sit for four weeks. Because the alcohol-soluble flavors and the water-soluble flavors take time to properly marry. Like, from the day you make your gin till the day you bottle it, it has transformed into something very different. Yeah. But then after four weeks, it generally doesn't change that much. So, again, you're getting your probably 250 bottles of gin, but you can't bottle it for about four weeks after you've made it. Hmm. So, not as bad as whiskey, but... Still requires still, some right. patience. Yes. So the botanicals that you used, a lot of them would be local as well? Uh, you know what? We have are moving to more and more. Our coriander and our chamomile are local. Okay. But some of our berries like uh, cubeb berries and orris root and angelica root are not local. Mm-hmm. But I do have a friend who's got a cabin near Manaki who has given us enough juniper berries to have a gin made with those juniper berries so it's probably enough for 250 bottles so again we'll do a nice small release of it and it'll be very local and so uh, do you come up with that blend like was yes yes? wow yes this was about we figure this was about the 60th different recipe that we tried for gin Wow. wow yeah so it was lots of work to come up with a product and we were lucky enough to have a bartender that has a phenomenal palate. Mm-hmm. So what she's looking for is, is that gin going to stand up beautifully in a car, in a gin martini? Right. In a Sazerac? Yep. In a, you know, is it going to, is it going to be the right gin? So, it, you know, it's got to have some flavor, not too much. So anyway, it was nice to have her as a, let's call it an independent taster as we're going through these recipes. Not only the work, but the time to repeat, yeah. wait, try it, repeat, wait. You know right. what I mean? I know. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. We, we do most of the testing on a 40 liter still. Mm-hmm. This still okay. is 125 gallons. So, but if it doesn't work, and we had some that don't work on this still, so you, if you can, you redistill it, turn it back into vodka, and then start the process oh, over. Okay. So not a complete waste, but right. lots of extra human and steam energy to turn it back into vodka. 
Sure, oh. this seems like the perfect marriage for your chemistry background. <laughs> like, I, I never thought chemistry could be sexy, but now I do. You know what I'm saying? Well, we've got lots of copper equipment, too, that helps make it look sexy. Yeah. And yeah. It really, that, that, the equipment is beautiful. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. copper's so nice. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, I mean, we have some stainless steel, but the copper is what right. everybody looks at, everybody talks about. It has sure. a yeah. much different feel than the, um, than the, the craft breweries yeah. right like those yeah. big massive things yeah. this is very yeah they don't they don't have the need for copper right right um we need co copper actually pulls out the sulfur from what There's you're doing yeah, there yeah. is a purpose it's uh, malleable so and it's also transfers beautiful thermal transfer so it's nice when you're heating up your still so it actually is you just got to stop talking i feel dumb <laughs> More dumb every time he can. Here, have started. a sip of your drink. That'll make you feel better. <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna take another break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about your specific products. Sure. How you came up with them, and what exactly you make, and what's in stores. All right. Okay, we're at Patton Five Distillery. One hundred eight Alexander. Here on the main ingredient. On six eighty CGOB. Welcome back to the main ingredient. We are still at Patent 5 Distillery. We are going to live here forever. Yeah, me lucky ass. Yeah. <laughs> <Quit> smiling. <laughs> Brock, before the break, Brock Coots is the owner. That's who we're talking to. Before the break, we were, talk we were talking about all sorts of stuff, and I felt small and like a moron because you're so smart. But we're going to get into your products, but sure. specifically you make yeah. and, uh, and why you make them. Okay, sure. So we talked about tangent, but we have a beautiful bottle and a fantastic label. Okay. So I don't know. I, if, I can if see. There, we can see your bottles. Ever, okay. Here, if there's ever beautiful. time, there's a, the label has a story. So it's. Let's it's, talk about the label in the story. Okay. So the label is actually a shot of Manitoba mm -hmm. near Homewood, Manitoba, and you can see the sections of land on it. Mm -hmm. The outline of the label that goes all around the bottle is a, an old riverbed, and the back of the bottle has a beautiful curve to it, and that's the curve of the Red River just at the end of Alexander. That's awesome. Oh. So the label, when you pick that up, it's... Oh, it's it means um, something. It does, yeah. It's, and who designed that for you? It was a, a guy by the name of Shai Smarden, who was a, a graphic designer out of Vancouver, who's since moved to New Zealand. His, he's a game designer, but his passion was, was packaging. And so... Wait, wait, wait. His passion, passion was packaging? <laughs> I, 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 okay. never, I, I never heard that before. <laughs> so. Maybe I don't have... He probably wouldn't think that that's the right term either. I, mean, I probably misuse it. But putting a beautiful label on a product. Yeah. How's that? That's, yeah. better than, <laughs> that's better than packaging. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, okay. Funny. Anyway, so that's the, that's the little bit of the story behind the label. So you asked me about our products. So we right. have vodka. Yes, cause, and I can see the product. Looking at it here, yeah. there's a beautiful purple ah, bottle yes. as well. Okay, so. so we do vodka, we have an original gin with our 13 botanicals, mm -hmm. and then we have two other gins. One of them is called a purple blossom gin. That is really purple. Which is, it's such a it beautiful color. It so beautiful in a, in a drink. And it's got a little bit of chemistry to it, because if you add anything acidic, if the pH drops, it goes from blue to purple. Oh. oh, so it's a you can make a beautiful cocktail. So it's by not that you've added. Water. Oh, we have we have added two more botanicals to our original gin. They and it's just two botanicals that just steep overnight. They don't they don't actually get cooked because they're both flowers. Mm -hmm. So one of them's a Manitoba violet and the other one is a, a flower from Thailand that has the pH change in it. So it's not from the actual purple of the flower. It is, it, it is, it is, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's the color of the flower. Okay. Yeah, and it adds a slight flavor to it. Like the purple blossom gin, people have described as a bit smoother and a bit rounder. So it does change the flavor a tiny bit. 
And then the last product that we have now is a barrel-aged gin. So our whiskeys age in first-use barrels. So that means that that barrel has never been used before. It's, been, it's a barrel that is charred and then used. So most whiskey distillers, most Scotch whiskey and Canadian whiskeys, use second-use barrels. So after bourbon, because bourbon has to be first-use, mm-hmm. after you make bourbon, then those bourbon casks go out and into Scotland and Canada. So we use what would traditionally be a bourbon barrel to barrel-age our gin and to barrel-age our whiskeys. Um, and the first gin we released um, 60 or 65 bottles. It sold out in a weekend. Barrel-aged gin is, is a, it's an amazing uh, product. You had some in a Sazerac, mm-hmm. and it's got... And Sazerac is gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a beautiful flavor. That's and good. we did our second release was gin that we put in that same barrel. So it was a second use. And the, the flavor profile is just a little bit different. So it's lots of fun. But it's lots of work to make a new product. So we really have, you know, vodka gin and then two offshoots of our original gin. And we're going to, we're always working on new products, but they take lots of time and lots of work sure. to get it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So how you said that they've been received really well. Yes, they have. Selling really well. Yeah. So we, you know, again, it goes to our bartenders, taste it. We've got some regulars that taste it. And when it's ready, it's ready and we release it because we want to make sure that we are true to our brand and, and, you know, if we're going to make a Manitoba product, let's make it really well. Sure. Who is, what, what's the girl's name who made us a drink? Callan. She so, seems really knowledgeable. Yeah, like, like she, she really is. actually loves the products and loves to really make drinks. She was drinks. very proud she, of yeah. She, yeah. she proud loves what she, what she yeah. does. Yeah. So she, can you tell us what we had? What, what? Yes, you had a gin martini. So when it came time to develop the gin, she was there to help us decide what that, what the flavor profile would be of the gin. And then gin ha- a martini has varying amounts of vermouth, right? right. But not just any vermouth. Mm-hmm. So they bought 10 vermouths to try to find out what's the right vermouth that's going to go with that gin to make a martini. So it's not just simple, okay, let's grab uh, some vermouth off the shelf, mix it with the gin, and voila, gin martini. Right, it's a, it's it's a just process. like other products, it's made, they're made differently from right. different people and different right. quality, right? And everything that's, everything that's in your drink was handmade. So all the syrups are made mm-hmm. here. So rosemary that's rhubarb awesome. syrup in yeah. the gin old-fashioned, that's Manitoba rhubarb and Manitoba rosemary. We make a syrup, and it goes in your drink. So every Monday, syrups get made for the week. So, yeah, the cocktails here cool, are right? they're handmade wrapped, cocktails. Right? Right. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you guys not only, you know, you, you serve food in here. Yeah, right? we do. Yeah, we have uh, charcuterie boards, yep. cheese boards, and we also have an awesome vegan board. Um, yeah, and they're very well received. Beautiful, beautiful adjunct to having a cocktail. That's nice. And uh, tours, you have yes, some tours? Yes, yes. We have, so we ask people to book, but we have tours Tuesday at 5, Friday at 3.30, and Saturday at 5. So okay. as long as people book a day or two in advance, I'll usually stay a little bit later if I, or, or shut down processing for a little bit and give people a tour. Tours are, lots of people love it. I don't think most people know where their spirits came from. When they reach and grab a bottle on the shelf at the liquor mart, they probably don't know anything about it. So we explain to them about what our vodka and our gins are about, and people are usually very interested to know. I think there's a whole movement about knowing what you buy and buying local, right? right? right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like people actually mean it. They actually want to know, not just, you know, they actually mean it. Uh, Yeah. So, but yesterday you had a couple extra, or you had an extra tour because it was... Nui Blanche was last night, yeah. And it was busy here. It was... There was a lineup outside the whole night. We did three plays with 
Prairie Theatre Exchange about oh, prohibition. Okay. Oh. So yeah, you, you know, you had to get a yeah. you had to get a prescription because that's how most people continued to drink through prohibition was their doctor wrote oh. them a prescription. So we had some cool drinks like broken arm and uh, general malaise and sore throat <laughs> or whatever. So that awesome. might be my drink. Yeah. <laughs> general malaise. Yeah. Yes. I need a so, pick me up. Yes. I heard you guys talking earlier that yeah. you sold a few hundred drinks last yeah, night. Kellen just... was busy stirring and shaking all night. Right. So sure, yeah. That's that was... not just born like, Hey, a Ryan Coke or something. Nope. It's like you guys like, make drinks there's yes. a lot of there's a lot that goes into it yeah but you know what people appreciate it yeah like they can see it being made and if if they read the menu and ask questions about it they generally really appreciate what a craft cocktail is mm-hmm. i told her i wanted it in a big gulp cup next yeah. <laughs> can that happen you, you can make start, that happen right did she throw you out start showing up to all our in- interviews with a big <laughs> mug <laughs> come and get out of here hand it over fill it up to the top <laughs> Okay, so let's remind people of where you are, yeah. how they contact you, social media, all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Websites still not up, but I'm thinking a few weeks. We have no sign on the door. Mm-hmm. Originally, we had plans for this great big sign. We're not there yet, and people have said, you know what, we like the I'm fact. It fits about with the that. whole prohibition. Yeah. Yeah, people is, yeah. like right. the fact that there's yeah. no sign. We will have a little sign mm-hmm. and you a have, light over the door. You have a little tiny sign with I the know, hours of operation but it, out in, there. At night, you can't even see it. Right. So we need just a little bit so people, when they're coming down Alexander, they said, hey, there's the place we've heard about. The garage door has throws out some really cool light onto Alexander mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, 108 Alexander, and um, Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 11. Okay. You can find us here. I'm really happy this area, especially this street, is turning into something. It's amazing. There's a there's a guy in the back of the building on Pacific, and he said six from when he moved in six years ago today, he said you can't even imagine the transformation. So there was, I mean, well, last night was Nui Blanche, but there's hundreds of people up and down the street. But we're most days you've got people walking down the, the waterfront or the river trail. And they're coming up Alexander into the exchange, right? You've got the Sport for Life building right beside yeah. us. So there's lots going on. Uh, Nonsuch right around the corner just expanded. So there's lots of reasons to come to the corner of Lily and Alexander now, too. We're going to have a festival on the street, I'm telling you right, right now. Right on, okay. Yeah, let's have a festival. <laughs> right? After a couple of drinks, look what I say. We're having a festival, Brock. You got that? <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to the date, too, next spring, right? <laughs> exactly right. Okay, we're wrapping up. We're here at the Patent 5 Distillery. I'm Krista Hall. I'm Kevin Bergen. Thank you, Brock. You're very welcome. Thank My you. Pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to see the distillery now. For sure. Yep. Okay, well, have been listening to us next week here on The Main Ingredient on 680 CJOB. We also have a podcast you can listen to. You can are on iTunes and Google Play. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You got to follow us. So we'll talk to you next week here on The Main Ingredient. This is 680 CJOB.